John touches Danny's dragon, but just for a second. This is spoilers. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> this is spoilers. Hey, guys. How's it going? Before we get into like the plot lines and the intrigue and... All what intrigue? <laughs> yeah, what intrigue? Before was we there? before we get into hype trains of? or lack thereof hype trains, Mikey, where are you recording from? And have you had anything good to drink lately? Uh, I'm recording from Elkhart, Indiana, and uh, no, I haven't had a drink lately. No, dude, Taking we had br- we had some good John Daly's <laughs> at the uh, Grand Prix. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that was those uh, John Daly's were killer. The Elkhart yeah. Grand Prix. Stevie. That was lit, fam. So I last saw you at our BOP event, which we'll get to in a little bit. And between then, there's been Lollapalooza, this Grand Prix, and also an experience where you were confronted by a Baptist crazy pap baby. <laughs> First what? off, Lollapalooza is it's, it's, it's the place to be every year. It's like my place to veg out. Me and Mikey go every year, and it's a blast. Um... Elkhart Grand Prix got somewhat tipsy, had some good John Daly's. For those who don't know what that is, that's Arnold Palmer with vodka. And then, uh, yeah, I got con- I got Jesus guilted. It was a nightmare. <laughs> this guy <laughs> who I kind of sort of know off work, like, confronted me. And instead of looking into my eyes, spreading the word of Christ, he was, like, looking into my soul, telling me I was going to hell. It was awful. <laughs> Like, I never want that to happen again. I, I I wanted to go home. Like, after that happened at work, I was like, I think I'm just going to take the rest of the day off and just did, contemplate did he look, my life. Did he look like the Pat Baby from The Passion, though? No, he didn't look like the Pat Baby. He looked angry <laughs> at my life decisions. It was not fun. What does the Pat Baby look like? <laughs> you. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. So, Pat B. Well... Stevie's recording from Mishawaka. I don't know if he said that. And Pappy, where are you recording from? But also, I wanted you to fill a, our listeners in on what you're just telling us your your goal for this Blackout pa- Passion podcast. Yeah, this is Pappy recording from uh, uh, Denver, Colorado. And uh, I guess this will be the first podcast to air after the legendary Blackout Passion of the Christ episode. <laughs> and my goal... <laughs> Was to be if if the first episode you ever listened to of spoilers was Blackout Passion of the Christ, you would make it through about six minutes and go, "Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Unsubscribe. Unsubscribe." It's 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 for the fans. You know who you are. All four of you. <laughs> four. That is generous. <laughs> This one's for you. And and to drink, I, I'm drinking a Coors Light, the same thing I drink every night. So I didn't ask you about the drink. So <laughs> that was just Colorado for Colorado piss water, just for Pappy. Drink local, think local. All right. <laughs> Let's get into Game of Thrones before we get off the rails. Uh, the, the episode starts off where the last one, this is episode five. Uh, the last one ended with Jamie falling in the water. This one starts with Jamie getting pulled out of the water by Bron. Pappy, what'd you think? Uh, the beginning was weak. I, you can't set up a cliffhanger and have it resolved 
with no with everything happening off screen. It's like I I said on the last episode I thought someone should die from that conflict of the dragon Jamie and Braun and basically it's like it never happened. So I was disappointed in that quick resolution. Well, the dragon showed no signs of an injury at all. Did no he? problem. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to point out here that Jamie was wearing a full suit of armor and still swam to shore. I mean, come on, science. That's got to be like 100 pounds and he's swimming. And floated away from the battle to safety. Yeah. Far enough away that Danny and her scouts aren't pulling him back to be a hostage. That's a little unbelievable. Off the hype train. <laughs> I mean, he couldn't die. And I guess it makes sense. Like, I like that there, Brian. There should have been a consequence for him charging Danny, though. Falling in the water and then getting out is not one of them. It just seemed like so just cookie cutter to be like, oh well, Brand pulled him to sh- uh, Brand pulled him to shore. Uh, everything's good to go now. There seems and to be- even when he got to shore, he was still like, I could have got her. Yeah. There's very little consequence from that battle. Like the gold secured, like we talked about. Everyone's safe. Like nothing. There's a couple scenes later in this episode, but nothing really of consequence is a game changer. Well, there's one consequence, and I'm not sure what that's going to be, and that's that Danny ends up burning the Tarleys after this battle. Um, do you guys see any con- consequences down the road because of this action? Sam might turn on John. I don't know. But did he even like his family? I feel like like he's going to come back and be like, wait, I get to run shit now? He's going to be so pumped. Yeah, Sam's going to be like, I'm not going to get in trouble for stealing the sword. Sweet. He's going to be like Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, just running around the house screaming. (laughs) That was spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Sam is like Macaulay Culkin, I guess. Uh, Yeah, so going to Sam's scene then, I mean... This is what most book readers and like online nerds are talking about because Gilly drops that a Meister's book. Oh my god! Says that horrible. Rhaegar horrible was writing. had an annulled marriage and was therefore legally married to Lyanna, which would make John, drumroll please, the not bastard, but rightful like fully, heir. Yeah, fully, yeah, fully rightful heir. But, mm-hmm. dude, how. F- what a fucking stupid way to dull out that information. Gilly's reading to Sam. Like, that is. Gilly can't read. <laughs> Sam taught him all the reading. Sam taught her, but that's so, like. What's stupid. an enormous? It's so, like, cutesy. Like, oh, hey, did you see this? Like, she goes from. Like, in the same book as the number of shits this guy took was also, <laughs> oh, by the way, like, I annulled the king of the Seven Kingdoms marriage. I just don't care about the whole family lineage thing. It doesn't matter at this point. Just kill each other for the throne. Why does Sam ignore her? Like, that's really important information. He's just breezing over it. I guess he was on the lookout specifically for, like, weapons against the the (laughs) Night King. But I think the bigger thing here for me is Game of Thrones, the original novel, came out. 21 years ago 
and that book laid the most breadcrumbs for this whole thing about Rhaegar and Lyanna and was John their kid or what. So people have been speculating about this for 21 years. And like Pappy said, bad writing. I think that might even be a little bit trite for how this was revealed for how long people were waiting for that. Are very, you saying the be- me calling it bad writing is trite or the actual no. reveal itself? Like it's more than bad writing. It's like bad writing plus this huge, enormous like kind of card that this series was able to play, play it in like the lamest way possible. Well, I mean, let's let's. Well, why did they have Gilly explain it? She, when was the last time we've even seen her? And then she's the one that finds this out. But let's be honest: how if that was your cue, you'd have to be pretty fucking stupid. I mean, like, and not not saying that has ever been revealed that the, that the marriage was annulled before, but I mean, it's just lending to the narrative that we all know is out there. And it's just so. It's just so casual and so stupid and so anti-dramatic to have Gilly like slow popcorn reading it out of a book. <laughs> when, Whoa! The last time that was said on the podcast, we edited it out just like this time. <laughs> <laughs> So at the very top of the episode, I said that John touches Danny's dragon, and he does, and it's very sensual. Mikey, can you recall that scene for us? Um, Danny is flying back from wherever she just destroyed uh, Rickon uh, or Dickon. Uh, she just burned Dickon and flew back to her castle, and Dickon. John was st- standing there uh, out on the lawn. Uh, just checking out the sea and uh, the dragons come and fly down and he's kind of freaking out because it's coming straight at him and uh, lands and walks over to him. I don't know if he saw Danny on top of the dragon, but uh, she's up there and she's kind of watching, seeing what John's going to do. And John's obviously scared, but he still kind of reaches out there and touches the dragon and I think uh, I think it turned Danny on. I think uh, she liked what she saw there. I think she did too, Pappy. One of my big problems with this episode was the on-the-nose um, sort of directing that was going on to display the clear love triangle that's developing between Jorah, Danny, and John. Like, there's one scene where like Jorah and Danny are hugging, and John has like a hacker man cross arms pose like looking at him and then <laughs> they keep they keep Hacker flipping man. that too where it's like the, there's always be like the two and then like the third male will be sort of off to the side it, it's just so mm, that harkens okay, back to be swiss family tension. robinson really think about it well i i would say that not to jump to the end spoilers but like one of those two should come back if this is the show i think it is shouldn't be both from beyond east watch uh- so what is Joa really expecting here? How how far does he think he can go in this game? <laughs> how, how far does he think he can get with Danny? He just got cured of his like stone cancer disease. I feel like he's on top of the world, <laughs> man. Yeah, he's flying high, but you you don't know. I mean, he could be in remission and he could come back with a. Vengeance. Is there any way that Drogon is like John's dragon? I don't Kyrian think so. also petted it, didn't he? Like, this isn't the first outside person. Because, like, in the earlier seasons, wouldn't Drogon just fly off? 
Do you think there's any like he was looking for like his true writer that John like that maybe like No, I think that Danny is his true writer, but the other two <laughs> have seats to fill. I and think Dragon is his. No, I think it's gonna be Regal, named after his father, right? Rago, Rega, Rega, they all like the Ragu, 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 Dragoon. So I was expecting that to happen this episode after the dragon foreplay. I thought she's going to be like, you know what? I have an empty seat. Ride this to the wall. Grab your specimen that you want to bring back. Stevie, do you see any problems with that plan? <laughs> They didn't get a dragon. She, it just they they made it there by boat and on foot in like twenty seconds. But this just seems like a ploy to get people to certain like areas. Like you should take a White Walker back to King's Landing, so that way we can see White Walkers in this season, and we can see you arrive in King's Landing before this. Like so, that it sets up for the next season. This seems like ridiculous writing. There's two episodes left. Yeah, this, ju- this yeah, season? this just seems ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's my. Yeah, it was a huge disappointment because last week's episode was 53 minutes, and then I was sort of like reading between the lines. Okay, it's called East Watch. It's like at around the 70 minute mark. Like, I'm ready for some shit, and I'm ready for some shit. And oh, okay, there's like 20 <laughs> minutes left. Some shit's got to go down eventually. Oh, that was like my whole like arc in this episode. It was terrible. It was such a such a setup episode. Such a classic Thrones positioning, but positioning to where Jorah can jump from Old Town to Dragonstone to the Wall in one. <laughs> episode. <laughs> Everyone time pro- traveled in this in this show. In the books, there's a character that wants to bring proof from the Wall to King's Landing to I think Joffrey was king at the time. So he gets a white's hand in a jar and the hand mm-hmm. is like crawling around the jar like a spider like trying to get out cuz it's like reanimated. But as they take it further and further south like by the time they get to King's Landing it's just like withered dust in a jar. I feel like the books have already established that bringing a white that south of the wall isn't going to be fruitful at all. And it's a little worrisome because we have like seven of our best maybe characters that are almost all certainly going to die well, going north. Well, Stevie and Mikey, I know you guys are off the, hy- the hype train. What was worrisome to me is how retarded that plot point is to kidnap a white and take him back to King's Landing. Like, what's the point of that? Like, Cersei is already buying in. What... That's so stupid, right? Well, they don't it's, know that Cersei is so... It just seems like a way to get characters to certain areas. Like, it, it just seems ridiculous. But their, their plan is not to, like, ride a dragon and see them with their own eyes. It's to kidnap a fucking white? <laughs> That's so stupid. Is like, what not? are the logistics of that? Did they bring out, like, chains a and cage? handcuffs yeah. or something? Like, I... And then they and show the, fact, the next yeah. episode, and it's all of them just running for their lives. So how are they gonna like get hard home the white? part two? Mike, I bet you Hodor makes an appearance next episode as a white. Mm-hmm. Catelyn Stark. 
So there's a team of seven, which kind of harkens back as well to the Tower of Joy, where Ned Stark had six friends as total of seven. Or the Fellowship of the Ring. Sure. Seven's a big number for these (laughs) series. So my question to you, and maybe this is the last thing we can do before we get to yes or no's, is I want you guys to all guess how many out of the seven will survive this adventure and who those survivors will be. We'll start with Pat. Uh, I'm going to write these down, too, so we can call call each other out later. Okay. uh, Tormund has to survive. Jon Snow has to survive. Gendry's going to live it out because he'd just be too stupid to bring him back. And can we talk about the fact where... Not yet. Not yet. Mm, okay. Gendry's going to bring it back. Uh, and that's it. I'm going to go three of four. Those, those three. Is Davos with them? No. So the seven are John, Tormund, Gendry, Jorah, Sander, Thoros, and Beric. So you think Gendry, yeah. Jon Snow, and Tormund. All right, Stevie, what about you? And if it's a name I haven't heard, they're fucking dead. I promise you that. Um, I'll say Tormund, the Hound, Gendry, uh. and Jon Snow. I'm going to add the hound. The hound's going to live. Yeah, the hound's going to live. Back. So I'll yeah. say four. No one's saying jo- no one's saying Jorah so far. Mikey, Jorah's a dead man. I'm going to say Jorah, the hound, and John. Everybody else is No, fine. Gentry? <laughs> I don't know who that is. I'm not a big fan of the show. I don't pay attention <laughs> closely. So my big theory... Mikey jumped off the train three seasons ago. All right, <laughs> let me go. Let me go. Uh, since only two guys, Hal and Reed and, John, and Ned Stark, survived the Tower of Joy, I'm going to go with just two people. So I think Jon Snow's got to be one. And I'm going to go with... I've been thinking about this all day, actually. I'm going to go with Jorah. Because of that Danny setup and like he's just not done. I think the hound, like he may survive, but like he would be like my honorable mention because he's gain bowl. It's gotta happen. Yeah, but okay, maybe so- he'll like turn into like a half white, kinda like what the other guys are. I, I don't know. But he's my point five oh. honorable mention. <laughs> well so as an aside Although it would be okay. I was gonna say, although it would be hilarious. For Jorah to die so quickly after getting cured. <laughs> I just don't think it would be. I've got a new lease on life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this can't possibly be the Hound's character arc because to bring him back to kill him so nonchalantly would be so boring. And so like, effortless. Yeah. I think what's so frustrating too about this plot line is it's obvious from this and like Cersei's reveal that she's pregnant that she's like so dug in. She'd rather press the nukes, the nuke button. She'd rather trump it and just like destroy the whole ro- world rather than like give up on her pride. So like, even if they do bring a white back, like Cersei just doesn't really give a crap, right? Speaking of book Their theories, plan is to bring. I'm sorry, Papi. Uh, speaking of book theories, Josh, I have a question for you. I heard recently that someone proposed a theory that at the ends of winter, winds of winter will wrap up the White Walker plot 
And then A Song of Spring is all post-White Walkers, the aftermath, sort of the reconstruction of the Seven Kingdoms. Do you lend any credence to that? No. Or? And how would anyone possibly know that? That doesn't well, make no, any it, sense. It was just, it's just based on the words, like spring. No. They're saying that the winter is over. And that and that George R. R. Martin has said that one of his problems is with Lord of the Rings is that Aragorn's just anointed king and everything's just hunky-dory. That there's no like detail into the policy of of how he rules and that kind of thing. I don't really buy that Pappy because I think that, I think that this story has to end when it's still winter and this winter is going to be long. There's no way that winds of winter can cover that much ground. So maybe he puts like three books in between winds of winter and dream of spring, which will also never be actually written. So I don't really think it matters. I don't think the series is going to be finished as a written piece. I'm sorry to say, but I just don't believe it's going to happen. And that is depressing. I think it will be, but not by George Martin. I think it was it wheels of time. What's that? The wheel of time. Yeah. I mean, dude, there's, it is being finished by, uh, the show owners of the show. Uh, no, but that's why I said as a written, novel because he's he's actually been very outspoken about how his work will be done when he's passed away and he will like not sign the rights over to anybody so the tv show is really in effect i think going to be the only ending that people have to go on really again before we get to yes or no's pappy you're going to bring something about davos and then i wanted to touch on the aria sansa little finger thing before we headed out yeah i mean those are the two only other major parts i mean I think we should also talk about Cersei being pregnant, but for Davos, I really liked his character when he was like showing his smuggler skills, when he was like lying to the guards, bribing the guards. That was really cool. Uh, the on the nose tip of the hat to the fans where Davos says, Oh, I thought you were still rowing. I said, Ugh. when that came on, I was like not entertained. I think that was funny. It's, it's, an acknowledgement that the showrunners of the show are reading Game of Thrones Reddit and responding to that, which is very concerning for me as someone who's concerned, like consuming <laughs> this art. Why is but, it? Why is that concerning? Looking for ideas. Because that's not how it should be, in my opinion. It should be that like someone's idea being brought to the screen and us consuming it. Autourism. It shouldn't be. Hey, let's plant all these seeds and see what other people think and then let's garden the best ideas but that's a good point I mean do you it brings us back to this point like they're past the source material and well, did I know you like did you like that line because that line's very very much fan service and like a it tip is. of the hat to the fans like there's nothing like in story that makes that line make sense I kind of chuckled I guess, but it definitely takes you outside of the world for a minute. We've been talking a lot about suspension of disbelief on this pod. And I think that's right up there with an Ed Sheeran cameo and knocking you out of it. <laughs> I got to bring him up. Ed Sheeran, greatest cameo <laughs> ever. All right. And then let's talk about the Lannisters for a second. And, you said we should talk about Cersei being pregnant. I think what I'm mostly taking away from this is that the Lannister brothers, Tyrion and Jaime, 
are both been reduced to just punk bitches of the person they're serving. Like, Cersei's like, don't betray me again. We're probably going to, like, have to punish Bronn. And Danny's like, I'm pretty much done listening to what you say and all your plans suck, Tyrion. So do you think the Lannister brothers are going to have any redemption arc or is they, are they just doomed to fail under their leaders separately? Tyr- Tyrion's uh, arc has been really lame this year. He's really had no purpose so far. So That's like two years, really. I'll, I'll agree. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I think it would be disappointing if over the course of what's essentially three seasons that Tyrion only stays with Daenerys when he's sort of been this muse point of view character who's traveling, you know, from the Starks to the Wall to King's Landing to Essos. You know, he, he's been our our eyes and ears and sort of our George Martin. If he, like, sticks with one person for what's essentially three seasons and what would be, like, two books, that would be really boring. So I hope he... I hope there is some friction there that he leaves Danny and moves on to serve someone else. But to John's or to uh, Jamie's point, I mean, I, I was really disappointed in the fact that Cersei is pregnant because I feel like it's kicking the can of the story down the road quite a bit. And then I, there's no way (laughs) Cersei dies without having that baby. Right. There's a 0% chance. Right. I have a couple things. First, could she possibly be lying? Secondly, could she possibly be impregnated by some weird Quiburn mutant baby shit? Hmm. You heard it here first. Spo- That's a hot baby? fucking pig. Cronenberg Cersei baby. <laughs> Wait, like there's get, that scene get- there's that scene where Quiburn's like in there, then Jamie comes in and I think just she tells him she's pregnant in that scene. And so, like, maybe Quiburn's like, I, I the mixed mountain. the mountain sperm with Jamie Lannister's... I, Turkey basters. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, even Jamie's saying, like, why is he in here? And she doesn't. She kind of deflects the question. That's... Josh, you may have a very hot take on your hands. Spoilers, man. It's lit. <laughs> it's lit. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. So yeah, uh, John has yet to bend the knee, which was what your prediction was last week. We'll see if that comes to fruition. But um, one last plot line to hit here. The trickster becomes the trickstee when Arya is following Littlefinger around and ends up following, or ends up follow. wow. Arya is following Littlefinger around and spying on him. And ends up falling for his trick, which is like planting a note that he wants her to read that'll make her think less of Sansa, I think. This is when I leaped off the hype train. I pulled the emergency brake down, gave the finger to everybody on the train, and walked off. This is the dumbest thing. And like, it's so stupid. This is just schoolboy writing. It's not even fun. It's not even fun to watch. Preach. Like this is like completely soured my view of this whole series. Why? What specifically? What yeah, you what's hate? your deal, man? It's so stupid, honestly. Like, okay, we get it. Littlefinger setting up Arya, and it's like she goes in there, 
and it's it's just honestly so dumb and like he's like lurking around the corner like he's so smart and honestly it was just really bad it was really juvenile i put it that way it was extremely juvenile it was kind of they were just like sat in the room and said Oh, we should have like little fingers set up. Oh, yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I uh, was kind of. It, it felt extremely underdeveloped. Like if you want to like show this, show it over this over the course of like four or five episodes. Don't do it in twenty minutes. No, that was like twenty second scene. Yeah, don't do it in twenty seconds. It was honestly so underdeveloped and just happily like haphazardly thrown together. Mikey, Mikey, did you like that? I was kind of tuning out at this point, <laughs> but I think uh, if you're gonna. <laughs> If I had a dollar for every time this, Money Mike said that. Uh, no, uh, if you're going to go and trick Arya, you can't build her up as this now super smart assassin who has tricked and killed dozens of people now, and she's only 10 years yeah, old. Yeah, she was mind, she was mind reading Sansa earlier in this episode, which was weird. Yeah, and then she's just going to get tricked by Littlefinger, who she's she's known about forever now and knows that he's tricky and corrupt and will always try to get the upper hand. She's just going to get tricked in 10 seconds. Plus he was, he was literally visible down that hall half in the shadow. Dirty brown watch. Yeah, I I barely watched this scene, but I didn't, I didn't understand it. Did it say what was on that note? I didn't read it was that. cringeworthy to watch. I looked it up afterward, and it's the note that Sansa wrote to Rob like four seasons ago, saying like, "Come bend the knee to Joffrey. Father's done something terrible." So it's basically like Littlefinger's trying to drive a wedge in between the sisters, which I think is a strong point line and something that's been building. But this just like Littlefinger tricks her so simply pap you got any words on it i i don't hate it from Littlefinger's story arc point of view because I, I think it is actually a strong play because i think it's safe to assume that that's the real scroll from master lewin's records that he dug out mm-hmm. uh so I, th- I think it makes sense in the context of Littlefinger. I think that in the context of Arya, it's fucking stupid. And I don't know if I've said this on the pod, but Arya is my favorite character from the books. Like anytime I was reading a Song of Ice and Fire books, I could never stop on an Arya chapter being next because she was always my favorite, even through like the shitty, boringer parts of uh, like Feast for Crows and dance with dragons where she was like stuck in Essos but I was more disappointed in how she was like going super dark with Sansa like she's like just cut off people's fucking heads yeah. dude like it's cool yeah like it's it doesn't show I just wish Arya like it, and that was, that was my defense with the scene with Ed Shireen right that Arya is like oh she's seeing the other side and that would be that would have been enough for like for me to to say that Arya is more emotionally mature like Arya's regressed now she's like dude just kill everybody and that's disappointing that the stuff that happened in episode one doesn't seem to matter for her character yet and another thing that this specifically this season has set up is that some huge plot line with a cliffhanger like this could just be wrapped up next episode with Arya being like oh yeah I knew he was hiding that all along 
Boo. just like Jamie. Yeah, I mean, just like Jamie with Tyrion was like, oh yeah, we we ditched out on Casterly Rock because we knew you were coming. And then just like how Jamie was like swam underwater for like two miles away from a battle, wrapped up in two seconds. I I just don't really, I don't know, losing a little bit of trust that they will, I think like Pap said, like really develop a character and then stick to that development and then have the character be true to themselves when it matters. And I feel like it really mattered most for Arya when she's like talking to Sansa and they're behind closed doors and they're ruling the North. I mean, well, it, it just felt like such a regression too, because we saw Sansa with Arya in the crypts and like talking about their dad, like, dude, there's only like eight episodes left. I don't need more arc. I'm fine. If they're just friends now, I'm totally fine with that. Don't manufacture like more conflict between the sisters unnecessarily. <laughs> like let them fucking team up. I don't care. It's time. But it's also funny that their arc of being mad at each other has gone on all season where Jorah Mormont has had grayscale, been cured of grayscale, traveled to King's Landing, traveled to to Dragonstone, and then traveled to the Wall. (laughs) Time travel theory confirmed. Time travel. Uh... Quyburn is actually the father of Cersei's baby. Confirmed. Mark it fucking down. Mikey, start off our yes or no's. Uh, this is a no. Uh, this episode felt like someone was just fast forwarding through plot points to get to the next scene. Um, I don't know. I said I was off the hype train earlier and I'm sticking to it. I just no. You said you've had one leg on. You said you've almost off. (laughs) You're all over the hype train. True. True. Uh, There was yeah. There was good episodes earlier in the season, but I think it's come to a grinding halt for this episode. But that's not to say that it won't pick back up again because this season is paced really weird. So who knows what's going to happen? But I think uh, the whole Jon Snow. going to get a white walker and bringing it to Cersei plot point is a big misstep. I think it's a move in the wrong direction. Stevie. I say this is a no. Uh, this is a no dog for me. Ooh, the rare dog. Uh, yeah, this is a no dog. Um, this is really disappointing. Cause I thought last week's episode was the strongest of the season. I thought they fleshed out their characters Same really director, well. Same director, by the way. I thought it was good. Yeah, which is really disappointing. Um, it just felt like the whole episode was one foot in, one foot out. I had no idea what it wanted to be. had no identity. Uh, it's just one giant setup episode to get one character to the next plane of view. And also a giant circle jerk of... Oh, these characters are the same place now. And I like all these characters. Cool. This is dumb. Uh, I'm officially off the hype train. So fickle, Pappy. It's not just of this last season. It's been the last couple seasons where we've seen Game of Thrones give us like a very, battles aside, like a very intense episode where a lot of plot actually moves forward next to a setup episode where those pieces are moving. This is, 
I think I said this earlier. It's a setup episode, but it's it's worse than a regular setup episode because like nothing means anything. Anyone can be anywhere at any time, and for that reason, it's a no. I think this is in like probably the bot like in the seventy fifth, eightieth percentile of all Game of Thrones episodes. Like you could probably watch the last episode and the next episode and not really miss anything. Um, there are some plot points that I wasn't crazy about. Wait, it's in back. the 75th, 80th. <laughs> like, that's pretty high, right? No, no, no. If, if you're in the 75th percentile, you're in the bottom. He means like the bottom part. 25, bottom 20. 75th highest. Josh sounds like he was in the 75th percentile. <laughs> I, I must be. Not knowing, not knowing that stat. But just to wrap it up, I'm not not saying you shouldn't watch this because it's 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 part of my favorite show of the last five years, ten years, or whatever, but it's one of the worst, one of the lower quality episodes in the fact that there's no payoff. And like I said, I was really disappointed that you call it Eastwatch. You finally give us that plus hour runtime, and nothing really happens, whereas last week we would all consider it one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones, and it comes in at like the low 50 minutes. That's that's what's disappointing to me is that the good episodes are short and the bad episodes are long. So Maybe yeah. it's that tight it's, editing that leads to that. Speaking of tight editing, Josh, what do you give it? Oh, it's tight. <laughs> Speaking of tight editing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Transition. what did that mean? I gave it a no. No, no, no. What did you mean by speaking of tight editing? I was just tossing it over to my boy. <laughs> Thank you. The less you think about it, the better, much like the Game of Thrones logistics. Josh, I can't get over, over it. it. He called me a Nazi in uh, Castle in the Sky, and that was his transition. Josh, so, uh, this is uh, it's so much better. Wow. <laughs> uh, Spoiler. I'm, I'm going to say that I'm like, I guess I'm just on the hype train. I'm up by the front, by the conductor. I'm helping shovel coal. I'm helping shovel coal directly into the furnace. You enjoyed this episode? <laughs> Such a company, I did. Man. I, like, looking back on what? it, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. Looking back, I can rip it apart with the time travel aspects and, like, some of the other things we mentioned. But, I don't know. Even when, like, Sir Davos was saying the thing about rowing. I was just so happy to see Gendry and then to actually see Gendry like smash a couple Lannister faces and then he's at the wall and they're like going. I mean, it's unrealistic that it all happened so fast, but within the episode, I would say that I was definitely gripped. I think because I have read the books, I'm a little bit more invested. I wasn't nodding off like Mikey was, or Stevie in his Lollapalooza Grand Prix BOP Baptist Pat Baby hangover that he's been in for like three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed this episode. Bender. Company so man, it's a, Josh. It's a, <laughs> Stevie, you always think I'm being paid, but you know so better. What do you Such think, a company man. What do you think Jon Snow is going to do? When he gets to the Seven Kingdoms with a White Walker, what do you think is possibly going to happen? I just think that that's going to get broken up so fast, and all those characters are either going to die or get splintered off. Like, 
There's no, there's so no way. Catch, capture one. <laughs> there's no, <laughs> what is the movie? Like, are they going to con air a fucking white walker <laughs> back to King's Landing? <laughs> <laughs> Give me the bunny. Dude, that's a stay. Stay tuned for spoilers on that one. I might choose Con Air sometime. <laughs> Dude, Con Air is Con Air is a great movie. That is a great movie. All right. Well, that's something we can all agree to agree upon, <laughs> <laughs> which is a rarity for this pod. So I think that's a good time to finish it out. Uh, this was spoilers. Take it away, spoiler man. You always have to toss to him. You love that fucking dude. (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Please don't forget to leave us a review by searching for movie spoilers, clicking on the cereal bowl, select the reviews tab, and leave us some stars and some words. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. That was spoilers. No, you just love that he's called Spoiler Man. He's tricky and corrupt and will always try to get the upper hand.